You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 861 of the Lots on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you on a Wednesday evening into Thursday, and I will tell you right now at the top, the rundown I had for this podcast went out the window on Wednesday morning with a flurry of activity, including rumors and news and all kinds of stuff, so that is coming for you momentarily. I want to plug at the top here, Ben Pfeiffer was on the podcast for a two-part episode about the NBA draft earlier this week. That all still holds up now. Also, Brian Schroeder has been joining me for all kinds of episodes on some of the top prospects in this class as well. And there's just been a ton of content. In fact, I'm one of the analysts on the five-part Lockdown NBA mock draft where I ended up actually taking Devin Vassell at number six overall as part of my Hawks duties, and that's a lot of fun, including analysis from Jeremy Wu, Chad Ford, John Hollinger, David Locke, etc., on that one, that's all available on the Locked On NBA podcast feed. Also, the Hawks did officially announce something newsworthy with the hiring of Nate McMillan on Wednesday. We've talked about this multiple times already on the podcast in terms of what that actually is going to mean. But in the announcement, Lloyd Pierce was quoted as saying that he reached out to McMillan after he became available. And the two um, had, quote, extensive conversations centering around the value, expertise, and experience he would add, end quote. Also, Pierce lauded McMillan for having his team play with his uh, personality in mind, along with discipline, competitiveness, and teamwork that were all noted there. He was basically, I would say, generally glowing about Nate McMillan in the hire, so that's now official as of Wednesday, but I am bearing the lead, of course. Obviously, a pretty crazy rumor day for Atlanta, and if you listen to this podcast, you probably know that at this point in time, so again, the rundown is out the window. We're going all rumors from this point forward on on today's podcast, and by the way, I would argue that the Hawks weren't even involved in the two most prominent trade rumors of the last 24 hours in the NBA as I record this because Chris Paul stuff happened last night to the Suns. And then there were rumors about James Harden and now I would say full-fledged onslaught with Russell Westbrook now in Houston. But still, at any rate, I'm going to save the Drew Holiday stuff for the end of the podcast and go in sort of chronological order here. But first, I want to tell you about the sponsor on today's podcast and the first sponsor is Built Go. Whether it's a mental wall or a physical wall, you can break through it with Built Go every single day. And Built Go is a healthy replacement for your energy drink, but the energy is anything but fake. Instead, it's both lasting and natural to give you the boost that you need. Built Go is easy to take in one and a half ounce packages. You can put it anywhere from your briefcase to your golf bag or even your pocket to get through whatever you're facing today. And Built Go is essentially a five-hour energy without the same feeling of a crash. Plus, it's natural and it's better for the body as a result. There are three amazing flavors to choose from with chocolate mint, peanut butter honey, and chocolate coconut. And Bilgo is loaded with all the good stuff you need to ignite your work. Regular listeners of the show will perhaps realize that I have multiple jobs to get to at all, pretty much at all times. And sometimes I need some help getting through the day sort of an extra boost, and uh, Built Go is fantastic for that. In fact, it's a great solution to breaking through my own personal wall overall. And to try it for yourself, you can visit BuiltGo.com, use the promo code LOCKED to get 30% off your next order. Use the promo code LOCKED for 30% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. All right, as I said before, I'm going to go chronologically here as to all the rumors and reports that came down on Wednesday. So first, I will start with a report from Kevin O'Connor of The Ringer. He cited sources saying that the Minnesota Timberwolves are, quote, attempting to acquire a second lottery pick, end quote, 
And from there, he said they have, quote, had talks, end quote, with the Hawks for number six overall. And he said that it was a possible deal that could include Jarrett Culver and the number 17 overall pick, which Minnesota also has. I think the wording is very key there, number one, in that he says it's a possible deal that could include those assets that definitely fall short of the full-fledged, you know, full-throated reporting on a package that is definitely on the table. With that said, it's interesting for sure. Also, Kevin O'Connor reports that the Pelicans and Celtics are among the teams interested in moving up to number six overall. Pelicans will come up again later, of course. Um, none of that should surprise anybody. I'm going to talk about the Pelicans and Celtics angles first before we, before we dive into the Wolves thing a little bit deeper, as there was more reported there. So keeping in mind, at this point, we have not had the Drew Holiday reporting just yet about the Hawks. That is coming, of course. Um, but early on in the day on Wednesday, we hadn't, we hadn't gotten there quite yet. So there is a theoretical path for the Pelicans to trade up to number six, even without Holiday. It does seem like a multi-team deal involving Holiday is more likely at this point in time, given the way that it's been reported since then. We'll come back to that later. But New Orleans does have the number 13 overall pick. They have 39, 42, and 60 as well in this class. And they have a bunch, they have a bunch of extra picks in the future. Most of those are the Lakers picks. They have a first rounder from the Lakers next year, as well as in 2024, and swap rights in 23. The Pelicans also have some young guys, some young guys to trade. Um, like Jackson Hayes doesn't make a ton of sense for Atlanta, but Nikhil Alexander-Walker could be pretty interesting. They also have Josh Hart, who is sort of a sweetener kind of piece. That's a pretty solid rotation guy at the shooting guard spot. It's tough to project what an offer might be there if there even is one, but if I'm Atlanta, I would like some of those pieces, if, uh, I would say, from the Pelicans that are not Drew Holiday related if that came down to it. I'm not sure if that's real at this point in time, but that was sort of out there in the mix. As for Boston, they have 14, 26, and 30. The only team that has three, three first-round picks in this draft. That's a trio of picks that I'm asked about quite a bit, honestly, because that's just sort of the natural progression there. Now, it would come down to Travis Schlenk and how he felt about having that many picks in the draft. Um, for what it's worth, I would not personally hate a trade of six down for all three of those picks. Kevin Pelton's trade chart actually says it's a pretty good value for Atlanta on that three-for-one deal, but I think it's not likely to happen on its own. I think the Hawks don't necessarily want three picks in this class. Also, though, Boston does have young players like Romeo Langford and Grant Williams, and both guys would be interesting in some respects. I would imagine that Boston is higher on Williams than Lankford based on the intel that's sort of uh, sort of around there right now. But Lankford's pretty valuable still. I think he'd probably be like a mid-first-round pick in this class. So that's a pretty interesting uh, addition as a sweetener in some, some sort of offer from Boston. It would obviously depend on whether Schlenk likes Lankford at all. But I think a deal of like 14 Lankford and maybe something else that's small to go up to six would make some sense if Atlanta liked Lankford and wanted to go back. The other one that I'm asked about quite a bit actually today with regard to Boston is stuff about Marcus Smart or Gordon Hayward. I don't think that Smart would be on the table for six if I'm if I'm Boston. I think the Celtics love Marcus Smart by all accounts, and they want to win right now. And I think turning Marcus Smart into a rookie would not be the best way to do that if you're Boston. Now, I would love that for Atlanta probably because Marcus Smart's really good, but I think it's not necessarily going to be uh, on the table. Hayward is on a massive player option. I would not trade six for Hayward um, with one year on that on that deal if he opted in. I am definitely on the record as saying the Hawks should pursue Hayward if he was to opt out, but he's not probably going to do that. So I would not trade a mid-lottery pick for one year of Hayward at more than $30 million. So I just want to say that out loud. The Boston stuff is potentially interesting, but not necessarily a slam dunk. And uh, they have to have someone that, that they actually want to go up and pay for, really, to go up and get, like a Killian Hayes or whatever you want to say about the Celtics. Um, on the Wolves side of this, we'll come back now to the Wolves. They have a new front office. That's always important to note here. So any priors are sort of out the window in some respects if you're the Wolves. 
And Kristen Rose is at, at, sort of in charge now. Um, he's not tied to Jarrett Culver in any way, shape, or form. So that's kind of the lingering issue here. That does not mean that they have to trade Culver by any means, but that's worth noting. In fact, Zach Lowe of ESPN wrote about Culver earlier this month before all of this and said the following. I'm going to quote here from Zach. Jarrett Culver's name has entered the rumor mill, and my best read is the Wolves would deal Culver now only in a blockbuster trade for a star or for a high draft pick that would help in acquiring said star, end quote. So obviously six is a pretty high draft pick that they could probably flip for something else. I think the evaluation of six for Culver and 17, which is, by the way, again, the only concrete reporting that's out there on any package that specifically is one package, is what Kevin O'Connor reported there. And even then, the wording was kind of soft. But still, if we assume six for Culver and 17 specifically, my top line thought that I shared on Twitter, and it was also back to my Sam Bassini, is that I think it's pretty good value for Atlanta in a vacuum. I think it makes some sense in some respects. I'm not going to do the full 20-minute breakdown that I would probably do if the trade actually happened. But value-wise, I think it's pretty good for the Hawks. So I saw and heard from a lot of Hawks fans that did not like this necessarily as an idea because they don't like Culver very much. I get that in some respects. He was not great as a rookie. He didn't shoot well at all as a rookie. That's certainly concerning at the free throw line especially. And uh, some of the fears that you might have about Culver as a prospect coming out of the draft were sort of realized as a rookie. Now, I think there's been an overreaction to bail on a guy who was a consensus top 5-6 pick in last year's draft and to now bury him after one kind of shaky rookie season, especially when he was actually kind of better in the second half of the season. Um, Shooting-wise, he really improved a little bit efficiency-wise. This is not a perfect comparison, I'll say that right now, but there is sort of a parallel in some ways and how he's discussed nationally and how some people are talking about Cam Reddish as well. Both guys really struggled early on, um, like notably really, really bad numbers, etc., both improved during the season, and when that was happening, though, the narrative was kind of already formed on Culver. I think both guys provided defensive value as well. That includes Culver, and I think I believe in, that, I believe in him on that end of the floor quite a bit, actually. So I actually would rather have Reddish overall just to be candid about that, but Culver is a guy that I still think is probably more valuable than some view him as at this point in time, so I'll say that right now. I think that Culver in this class, this is a question I got actually a lot about this after I tweeted about it, was the fact that I think Culver in this class, even with the shaky rookie season, would still be like a mid to late lottery pick. Um, and before this, you know, just just prospect pre-NBA, he would have been probably in my top five in this class. So keep that all in mind as, as you're sort of informing the rest of this stuff. So rookies are bad, generally. <laughs> even the best guys um, that become great are... Uh, not always good as rookies. There is definitely a chance, though. I'll say this now just to cover every base. There is a chance Jarrett Culver is not a good offensive player at any point. That is out there. It's it's definitely in play. Defensively, I don't worry at all. But offensively, if, if the jump shot does not come around at all, that is a concern. So if that's where your hiccup lies, I do understand it in some ways. So as far as the hypothetical trade is concerned, I think that Culver has pretty similar value to number six on, on, on its own. I am not advocating for trading six for Culver one-on-one. Let me say that say that one more time. I am not telling you that I would trade six for Culver one-on-one. But that's kind of close for me anyway. It's not a no-brainer. I, I probably wouldn't do it, honestly, if you asked me. But aside from guys like Hayes and Okongwu, who I have in my top four or five, I think Culver is in a pretty similar tier with guys like Vassell and Halliburton and Denny for me, or at least kind of close to that. If you want to say he's maybe, you know, 10th instead of 6th or 12th, that's perfectly fine. But I think Jarrett Culver, even with his rookie season, is still a lottery pick in this class value-wise. 
almost certainly. And that's if you know, even if you're lower on him, I think that's just kind of overreacting if you're saying that he's below that. So again, I would not trade six for Culver, but importantly, that's not the idea here. Even if it's kind of framed as that in some of the responses that I got on Twitter and some of the talk talking points on um, on Twitter and some fans and all that stuff, the deal is not just six for Culver. I would totally get why people just don't like that idea reflexively, but importantly, the 17th pick is a real asset. I know it's not sexy. I know we've not talked about that pick a ton. Those mid those mid first rounders a ton. Although we have in the last couple of podcasts, you know, Ben Fryfrey did one on that. Jonathan Washman, we talked about that a little bit. But I understand that that mid first round is not a terribly sexy range. But 17th pick is a real asset. That's more than a throw in, and you know, even if you thought, for instance, that Jarrett Culver was the 13th best player in this class. 13 and 17 for six is pretty solid value. I think trade value wise, just keep that all in mind. So it's not an exact science by any means. If you just really, really don't like Culver, I think you're overreacting, but I get it to some degree. Now, I would encourage people not to get too bogged down in this one in particular, because of what I said before about the way it was reported by Connor, the way it was tweeted. I do, I do though get it that it was the first real sort of concrete trade, trade rumor that was out there from the Hawks. So that's good. People are going to react to that. I totally understand it. The last thing, by the way, that I want to mention, I saw some worry about people panicking about another about another young wing coming into the mix here for the Hawks. Number one, that's always on the table with this draft pick. Um, whether they trade it or not, Jared Culver is another young wing for sure. You just can't have too many of those guys. I, I'm sure if you're a longtime listener, you will have heard me say that a million times. If you're a new listener, you might not have. But I am firmly on the side of you can't have too many wings that can play defense, especially on a team with Trey Young. Surrounding him with guys who can do that is very valuable. And with Culver, I think he is more toward the reddish potential of being able to like handle the ball a little bit and be a secondary creator. Not going to be a number one guy by any means, but someone who can sort of handle the ball a little bit, be on the perimeter, and then guard one through three um, pretty effectively. So I like all of that. Not a problem whatsoever. My overall evaluation of that fake trade that's actually not maybe so fake <laughs> is the fact that I don't think it's like a ridiculous, preposterous grand slam yes for the Hawks, but I like Culver. I think he's undervalued. I think the gap between 6 and 17 just isn't as big as people seem to think it is. So um, good friend of the podcast, by the way, Sam Bassini of The Athletic made this point as well, and I agree with it, in that the Hawks should definitely wait and see if they get a better offer than that. But I think if it came down to it, you're on the clock at 6 I think Culver in 17 is a good idea if it's on the table. Um, they don't have to do it. I don't. I wouldn't criticize them if it was on the table and we knew that and they said no. But I think for me, that's a pretty good value trade that I would recommend. But I'd wait for sure if they were going to see what else was out there. I would totally understand that. Okay, before we get to the last item on the agenda on the podcast, which is the Drew Holiday reporting that all came down on Wednesday. I want to break now again to hear from our sponsor on today's podcast. So hold on tight. We'll be right back with Drew Holiday discussion. All right, so once the KOC reporting came out on Wednesday morning, we already had plenty to discuss on the podcast. I was already pivoting to full-fledged rumor talk, and then Mark Stein of the New York Times added to it in a big way with reporting on Drew Holiday. So it didn't come out of nowhere, I'll say that. There's been plenty of reporting that number six is theoretically available for a veteran. That's been out there, including from O'Connor in the past. Zach Lowe of ESPN surmised last week that Holiday could be a guy for the Hawks to target. Not necessarily reporting that, but certainly that it was a theoretical possibility. But at any rate... Stein reported midday on Wednesday that the Hawks have, quote, emerged as a potential trade destination for Drew Holiday in multi-team trade scenarios that would involve Atlanta's number six pick, end quote. It remains to be seen what the construction would that be uh, for, for that trade, but while a lot of the reaction is basically under the guise of six for Holiday one-on-one, 
the reporting definitely does not suggest that's definitely the package. The multi-team trade thing is important to note. There can be some complications there. Three-teamers, four-teamers are really hard to construct. I'm not, by the way, sure that six overall would be enough 1v1 to get it done. In fact, Zach Lowe reported that in that same piece last week when he said that he did not think that six was going to be enough just for Holiday one-on-one. So keep that all in mind as well. We have discussed Holiday in the past, um, but with this news, I'll talk about him as a player for a second, just kind of broadly. He turned 30 in June. He's a great defensive guard, one of the best defensive guards in the entire league, a good offensive player as well. Averaged about 20-7, and seven basically, the last three seasons in New Orleans. Efficiency-wise, it wasn't fantastic this year. That is, no, that is noteworthy given his age at this point in time. But flat out, he would help the Hawks a ton. There is honestly an argument out there that he could be the best current player that is reasonably available that the Hawks could actually get this offseason. He is very, very, very good. And that's important to just lead with and point out. There are factors in play, though. I know people don't like to hear about this sometimes, but contract stuff matters. Age matters. Other factors matter than just next season. And he's 30. He's effectively on a one-year deal. That's kind of the bigger thing. I mean, the age definitely matters as well, but the contract stuff is a huge factor in play here. He's owed $26 million for this next season. That is not the problem. The Hawks have plenty of cap space. That isn't an issue. But beyond that, he has a $27.1 million player option for the following season, and Mark Stein flat out reported on Wednesday that Holiday is, quote, expected to decline, end quote, his option in order to reach free agency. That was kind of the assumption for a long time. Withdrew, but that was uh, different. I think the reporting there from Stein is a new level of assumption now on that decision-making from Drew Holiday. So basically, the reason why I talked about this in the past, being more of a situation that makes sense for title contenders with Drew Holiday, is that it's a one-year deal, effectively. And giving up a lot of trade capital for a one-year deal on a 30-year-old is not generally a great idea for a team in the Hawks position as as a rebuilding team, but also a team that's trying to keep its options open, flexibility-wise, etc. Now, if there was a swap for Holiday where the Hawks can somehow still retain a good draft asset, that's different. But I think we don't know that right now. And again, the reporting was on multi-team trades, so there's a lot of uncertainty that we don't know at this point in time. The thing about the Holiday thing is that there, there certainly is a path to a contract extension that would make it more palatable for Atlanta. And for the record, the Hawks could sign him could sign him to a extension right away for up to two more seasons if they sign him within six months of the trade itself. Now, the max allowable deal under that circumstance would be two more years at about an average of $28 million a season. If they wait more than six months, they can give him up to four more years at a total max of about $139 million. By the way, that is way, way, way more than you want to give Holiday right now. He'll be 31 at that point in time probably. So I think the logical midpoint scenario, if you are the Hawks and if you are going to trade for Drew Holiday, the way to do it and do it responsibly is to give him an extension for two years. The problem is he may not take it. I think two years, $56 million is a good value for Drew Holiday, and he probably knows that, and that might, not, that might not be enough for him to opt out of his player option and just secure two more seasons. So it's interesting. That's a two-way street. That's where the Intel stuff comes in here for Atlanta. And again, I think Holiday might not take that deal. So it's better than giving up a ridiculous extension or losing him after one year. But asset management-wise, this is kind of a tough one in a lot of ways. So taking a step back, I think the Hawks would be a projected playoff team next year if they had Drew Holiday, albeit one in the bottom half of the East, because even with Drew, they're not going to be a contender next year necessarily. He's like a top 30, 40 player in the league. He would be huge for them. By the way, he's also an excellent fit with Trey Young 
as a guy who could play on the ball or off the ball and play defensively um, perfectly against pretty much anybody, one through three-ish for Drew Holiday. So I think it's, by the way, this is a question I got from somebody today. I can't remember who it was, so my apologies. But I think it's safe to project, and I use the word project intentionally, that Holiday is better right now than any player the Hawks drafted six is ever likely to be. Not not possibly, but ever likely to be. I think Holiday, again, is like a top 40 guy in the league, maybe even better than that. And that doesn't tell you much about the trade itself, but it is worth pointing out that Holiday is really good and emphasizing that. So again, I think the intel is pivotal here for Travis Schlenk. And for me, you cannot, in my view, make a trade to send the number six pick out for Drew Holiday and maybe even more than number six to get Drew Holiday as the main piece of it without a plan because you really need to get an extension here. If you're trading a mid-lottery pick for one year of Drew Holiday when you can't win a championship next year, and you know, I guess with all due respect, the Hawks cannot win the championship next year, most likely, unless they just overhaul the roster. Could they be good next year with Drew Holiday? Sure they could. But title contender is a different level, and that's why I think the Holiday makes more sense from, from in other places. But there are some teams that can justify that. I think for the Hawks, there is value in making the playoffs next year, for sure. Trading what the franchise hopes to be the last lottery pick for a long while, though, to get one, again, one more year of team control on Drew Holiday is not the greatest process decision in the world. I think the full context of the deal is like super important for me. This is, again, not necessarily six for Holiday if it happens at all. And by the way, Chris Kircher of the Athletics cited multiple sources that the Hawks are, quote, currently not a possible trade destination for Holiday. That's his reporting. Also, Chris added later on in his piece with, for The Athletic that he's hearing that a holiday deal would have would have to include number six and, by the way, two more young players. Uh, if that's the case, and that's his reporting, um, that's way too much for Drew Holiday. Like, Drew Holiday's really good, but if you have to give up six plus, like, Herder and Hunter, that's way, 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 way too much for the Hawks, and that's a firm no if you're me. Now... I think, by the way, both Mark Stein and Chris Kircher were certainly told what they reported. I know they're on opposite sides of this one, but we're in the middle of silly season right now on all sides. So figuring out what's real and what's not is always tough to do right now. And both sides could be talking with some modicum of truth here. And the reporting, I'm sure, is sound on both sides. It's just what I've been saying forever now on the Hawks is that the Hawks are going to be linked to everybody throughout this process. And I know right now it's sort of a standalone thing and Drew is a very famous good player. But we'll see is my general uh, advice on that one. So... Again, after all of that, my general opinion on dealing six for either young guys and draft stuff or veterans like Drew Holiday is going to be contingent on what the deal actually is. That's not sexy, but it's there's not like a firm, hard and fast rule here. It's all about nuance. It's all about what the deals actually are, and we just don't know that just yet. If you're a longtime listener, you will know that I've said this all the time, but there's an argument to be made for moving down or out of the draft. So down was what we talked about earlier on the pod with uh, the Pelicans originally and the Celtics etc. Or you're talking about, or, or or the Wolves, I should say, um, or moving out entirely for a veteran, all that stuff. From there, again, the Hawks are the perfect team for rumors right now. They can do anything in any direction, basically, except for moving Trey Young. So virtually everything's on the table for Atlanta. That makes for a lot of fodder and a lot of interesting discussions, to be sure. It's been a fun day in a lot of ways. If you were a Hawks observer after this long, winding offseason, but still, I would urge you not to go crazy or panic with the rumors that come out specifically, especially a week before the draft with very um, proposals that are like kind of, you know, wavering in terms of what they actually might be and might include. Also, I'd recommend checking out Chris Kircher's Intel column from Wednesday that I referenced earlier. I won't, I won't give the whole thing away. It's behind a paywall after all. But by the way, he's hearing that Denny Abdia, Tyrese Halliburton, and Onyeka Okongwu are in the sort of a tier ahead for the Hawks, ahead of Okoro Vassell 
etc. for Atlanta. That's very interesting. I haven't necessarily heard that, but I do th- I knew I do know that they like Denny and I think they like Halliburton as well from what I've heard. And Akong was also very good. A guy that I've always really enjoyed. And by the way, just as sort of the contrast to sort of outline the point here of how the conflicting information is definitely out there. ESPN and the Draft Express guys put out their new mock draft on Wednesday and had Isaac Okoro going to the Hawks at six in an Intel-based mock. So lots of uncertainty, lots of conflicting stuff that's out there Intel-wise. So I would just say that no order of those guys would be a shock to me. And uh, we'll talk about all of them in the past. We'll see what Travis Schlenk does. And I've done a ton of work that you've probably heard. If you've not listened to the podcast already, welcome. And we have plenty to get to uh, in the archive. But even more coming in the next few days on all of the draft prospects. So keep that all in mind. Tons of, tons of stuff to get through. Again, recently with Ben Pfeiffer, Brian Schroeder, etc. Hopefully all those breakdowns of these trade rumors make a lot of sense. And if they don't, if you have a question or if you want to just yell at me, you can find me on Twitter at BT Roland or at Locked on Hawks on Twitter. I definitely found some people that were not happy with my opinions today. That's part of the fun. I'm trying to keep this all loose. I will try to answer your questions as well as, much, as best that I possibly can during the day. I'm at work sometime, which is why I'm re- recording this podcast later in the evening. But I will do my best. I try to be as responsive as possible on Twitter. But thank you for listening to the podcast. As always, please subscribe to the pod. Please check us all out. Please tell your friends as well. We will see you next time.